and welcome to this new episode of So Tell Me, a podcast where I talk to people about their education experiences, get opinions on higher education, and talk to people about what information they think the world should know more about. I'm your host, Kim Wardle. Let's get into the episode. Okay, everybody, welcome to the first episode of So Tell Me. I have a very important person here with me today, someone I've known for a very long time. So tell me, who are you and how do we know each other? Hello, so I'm Esme. Um, Kim and I have been friends for over a decade. We met in year two, I believe, uh, mm. because Kim moved schools and I was the poor child um, assigned to show her around. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And yeah, we've been friends pretty much ever since. Pretty much. And so what have you been doing for the last three years, four years? Uh, So I went to Liverpool University to study English literature. I graduated um, last summer. I've been on a gap year since. And in October of this year, I'll be doing an MPhil in English studies um, at Cambridge. So how did you find university? So academically, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I I mean, there was no doubt that I would. Uh, to be honest, I'd been looking forward to going to university since before my A-levels. I remember thinking about it during my GCSEs even, thinking, you know, mm. it's going to be so much better when I get to university and I can study what I want. Liverpool is really, really good for ideas that are slightly out of the box for creativity Um, and it's also the English department at Liverpool is really really friendly I got on well with all of my lecturers they were all really interesting people and very open-minded and I was able to write some quite weird essays (laughs) at times (laughs) so yeah yeah I really liked it I think the university environment outside of academics can be can be a mixed bag depending on the person Uh, I didn't particularly like living in halls for example um not because anybody there was particularly not because of not because of anything about the people there just the environment didn't suit me at all and liverpool is um a very busy place it's very very good for things like art galleries and uh, independent cinemas and all these sorts of creative it's good if you're a creative person mm. but it's also definitely known for its nightlife which is not really my thing I struggled sometimes to find uh, places to go and people to go with for things that weren't drinking right but that you know that goes both ways if your (laughs) if your personality is not like mine you may well absolutely love it for the same reason that I didn't you know but overall I I am very very glad that I had the experience that I did Uh, especially academically and how was it applying and stuff like that like the transition from high school to university because I know you had a interesting experience with that um starting from like the beginning of sixth form I was predicted very high grades expected to do well and um I had known from sort of midway through my GCSEs that I was going to want to apply to Cambridge Mm. and I started off thinking I'll apply just in case like it's it's a very slim chance but 
based on my predicted grades. I've, I've got a shot. I know people who have gone, and it seems like somewhere I would do well and enjoy being there. Mm-hmm. So I initially went into it thinking, I'll just apply just in case. But the way that um, the application works is that you have to have everything in earlier than everyone else. You have to do more for the application, you know, send in essays. I got an interview, which meant a lot of time preparing for the interview. And I don't think that our school prepared us very well. Mm. I think they did the best they could with limited resources. But it it wasn't... Um, I sat in that interview despite having put a lot of work in, not really knowing what I was doing or what was expected of me, you know? Right. And so I didn't get in, obviously. And I don't know, by the end of by the end of that process, I had got my hopes up. Just because right. not because I thought that like, oh I'm amazing, I'm totally gonna get in, but just because I'd put in so much work that you can't not get invested at the end of that. Right. And so after that, um, my second choice was Durham, which I know is the cliche second choice for people <laughs> who have lives on <laughs> But I genuinely liked the place. And when it came to my actual exams, nobody ever doubted that I wouldn't get in. Like, I was getting A's and A-stars throughout sixth form. Mm. And then when it came to the actual exams, I'm not sure what happened, to be honest. I did okay. I got two A's and a B after something that didn't really work. And, yeah, it was odd. Yeah. So results day was two weeks before the moving in day in Liverpool. So I had two weeks to adjust to a very sudden change of expectations. Right. Yeah. It was it was interesting because uh, quite a few people I knew didn't get the grades that they were expecting, right? And and so in that sense, you know, I wonder whether it was to do with the exam boards. Not in I'm not saying you know oh we were all cheated out of our grades or anything. Just <laughs> wh- you know whether there was a reason, a bigger reason that wasn't just me. You know why so many people didn't get the results they expected. Right. But all those people who didn't get grades, didn't didn't get the grades they wanted. Um, who I knew personally, all still got into their first choice university. Right. Just because, you know, just because of their specific situations of where they'd applied and what grades they needed. So I was the only person I know who didn't. I I can't think of anyone from, like, our group of friends or Mm. anyone else I know who, who didn't get to go where they wanted to. And that was interesting. There's a... I wouldn't say that our school was particularly high pressure in that sense. No, but they weren't necessarily competitive either. No, it was sort of, it wasn't that I at any point felt like there was pressure to go to Oxbridge or Durham. Right. But it was definitely an uncomfortable experience having to tell people that I wasn't after they had all sort of perceived me as somebody who definitely would, you know? Right. That was a bit strange. And it was weird getting to Liverpool, you know, you know, getting to know people and people saying, oh, why did you choose to come here then? And having to say, uh, like, I didn't. well, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? <laughs> Truly. Yeah, because I had a similar experience to what you described of the rest of our friend group was that I 
didn't get the grades that I expected, mm. uh, but I still got into my first choice. Yeah. But then that was because my first choice wasn't isn't as competitive as Durham or Oxbridge or anything like that. I mean, shout out in 2016, we were University of the Year. Hey, nice. But like, yeah, we, we weren't necessarily competitive in terms of grades. Yeah, your reasoning um, for going to Surrey was the year abroad. And yes, that like was really important to you from the beginning so there was there was no reason for you to apply to anywhere that you know had fancier titles <laughs> yeah or didn't offer it and, and yeah. anyway there was only like five universities that did microbiology that had modules that I wanted to do at the time so exactly whereas english is a is right so you can afford to be competitive yeah to, yeah english, english. Is a, english is a similar degree wherever you go it's of course it's like there are differences between different universities and when it comes to postgrad stuff, you know, the more specific your intended master's degree is, mm. the more likely you are to need to go to a certain place. But when you're just doing English as a whole, most of the courses are quite similar, which means that you then start thinking about all of the other things, <laughs> all of the other reasons why you would or wouldn't want to go somewhere. Right. Yeah. I know that a big turnoff for me was that they discouraged from having a job. And obviously that was just a, a big no-go for me. Yeah, exactly. It is sheer luck that my parents are both able and willing to support me through, right. through education. If they weren't able to do that, then that would, you know, my plans would have to change in a lot of ways. Right, right, definitely. So how did you manage your expectations? Like in those two weeks, how did you kind of bring your, not necessarily bring yourself down, but deal with the fact that, your plans were not what you initially thought um so first off I hadn't I didn't know very much about Liverpool going in mm. I had been to an open day during my GCSEs it was the first place that I looked around just because I have family in Liverpool it was a, it was convenient that we were visiting my nana and there was an open day and we went all right may as well go look around you know get a head start on on researching places so by the time I, it was time to actually go, I couldn't remember much about it. Um, and so I had to, uh, first off, <laughs> research the university, just find out where it was I was going. Uh, it involved a certain amount of looking over the website and looking at just whatever I could find online, looking at Google Maps just to see what the place looked like, just so that I could picture myself there, you know? Right. And then I went on the student room and found um people talking about basically anything about it right and the most important thing that i did was i came across a group chat uh, on facebook but like it was linked on the student room for uh freshers who didn't drink so that we could you know make friends with each other and organize stuff to do that wasn't clubbing because you know freshers week is usually involves a lot of drinking and if you're not into yeah. that then it can be a bit awkward trying to find <laughs> people to talk to and places <laughs> to go and so i spent a, uh, about a week talking to those people and getting to know them and uh, i only kind of properly kept in contact with one or two of them after the first semester of first year right just you know just how things go but it was nice to know that there were there were people who, as soon as I arrived, I could make plans with. Even if I didn't end up being friends with any of them, it was uh, a way into making friends and 
you know, we all kind of talked about our expectations going in and we all sort of speculated about what things would be like and it was nice to have a group of people to do that with even if we were wrong about everything even if um you know (laughs) (laughs) even if every sort of assumption we made turned out false even if like we couldn't actually help each other in any tangible way when we got there it was still just nice to have people to to talk to about it instead of talking to friends who were going elsewhere and all of us sort of floundering <laughs> yes yes so were were there any particular assumptions that you had that were definitely blown out of the water like 100% wrong hmm I'm not sure to be honest I think I think I assumed that the things that my parents had been saying about uh how to make friends in halls for example were more mm. accurate than they were because like the first piece of advice that you're given is to if if you don't want to go knock on people's doors which to be honest I didn't (laughs) is you know you should leave your door open so that people will you know to to be inviting so that other people will see that you've got your door open and they'll come and talk to you right and so for the first week or so I would leave my door propped open while I was sat in my room usually painting or something and uh that didn't work (laughs) (laughs) um uh, i found i had very little in common with anybody i was living with but there was i sort of assumed that everyone's in the same boat right everyone everyone wants to make friends everyone is like you know that everyone kind of feels the same way and i'm sure that is true a lot of the time for a lot of people but the people the people around me in halls were all like they all got on immediately and they all wanted to go clubbing immediately and when I declined an invitation to go clubbing and said you know oh but but let me know if you're doing anything else because I totally want to get to know you guys I never heard from them again (laughs) right like fate sealed yeah um not because they were mean people or anything but just no you know um they they were clubbing and you weren't and that's I feel like that's a fundamental thing at university. As soon as you turn down one invitation for clubbing, they kind of peg you as that, oh, that's that person that doesn't want to. Exactly, yeah. It's like, you know, if you guys are doing literally anything else, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then then I'll join in. But yeah, I don't know. I think, like, it, it all worked out because I did make friends, um, just not with those people. Yeah. But I think I had to go about it my own way and not follow the advice that I'd been given. I think that's really important because a lot of times the advice you're given is for people that might not necessarily know you as a person. Mm. So like I know because obviously we've been friends for what nearly 10 years. <laughs> like I know you're not the sort of person that's just going to be like, "Oh yeah, I'll just go clubbing because you know then I'll make friends." Like if you didn't want to do it, you're not going to do it. So it might have taken you longer. But I think it's important to remember that you still did make friends. Yeah. So for anyone that's, you know, definitely doesn't want to do something, don't ever, ever, ever feel pressured to do it. No, exactly. I made friends via that Facebook group mm. and also by joining um, a choir because that's uh, that's something that I knew going in. Uh, I It was something I researched when I was looking around different universities was, does this place have a choir that I can join? What kind of music do they do? right um and so yeah the the closest friends that i made at university and the first 
sort of main friends they made at university were all via the choir so join societies that is the best thing you can do to make friends yeah definitely and on top of that talk to people in your lectures um you don't have to be super extroverted just you know those casual conversations outside a lecture theatre about whether or not you've done the essays can lead to friends honestly (laughs) yeah literally or like as you're exiting the seats and things like that when you're all converging on a a single Mm. like stairway you can always just lean to the side and say oh how did you find this thing or what was your opinion on this exactly also Mm. if you're a nerd yes lean into it if you're going to be the person who always has the work done on time and always you know knows what's going on lean into that because there will be people who are not organized and are really struggling and if you can be the person Mm -hmm. to volunteer to help if you can be the person who can answer somebody's question when they're panicking outside a lecture theater because they haven't done the work and they don't understand yes that is that is a good thing like you know this is not school anymore you're allowed to be a nerd you are allowed to be you know geeky and people will be grateful that somebody has their shit together so and that is a way into making friends or at least into being liked by people if you are able to offer people help and be (laughs) be useful to them essentially yeah basically Um, (laughs) although don't be too I, i would say don't be too involved there are certain people that i can definitely think of that are way 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 too involved Oh yeah, well, yeah. I didn't mean volunteer information, just sort of completely <laughs> spontaneously. But you know, when someone's struggling, and you can you can be the one to help. You know, when someone's going, oh God, did anyone go to that lecture? Does anyone have notes? Yeah, be that person who says yes. It's, I think that's a good thing that will help. Cool. I I agree with you. I think that our experiences were fundamentally different. I met the person that I spent most of my university career with on an applicant day (laughs) so I had someone at the very start so I think I had a very different view of making friends I was like well I already have a friend so I don't need to worry too much about meeting people and and just it so happened that I met a huge number of people yeah it's definitely you have to definitely not necessarily put yourself out there but be available Mm. like if someone even if you're not the one to approach somebody if somebody approaches you then you have to be open to it right yeah but that said don't force yourself to do something you don't want to do if possible suggest alternative plans Mm. because you know thinking back to that um that fateful day in first year if (laughs) um you know this girl who 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 had had said to me do you want to go out clubbing if if I had said no but do you want to join me you know if if I'd said I don't know join me for lunch tomorrow Mm. it's possible she would have said yes and we could have been friends and I don't regret it because I made other friends but you know I think that's something that's helpful like don't force yourself to do things you don't want to do at all ever but do make alternative plans if somebody suggests something and you want to be friends with them suggest something else that you can do i think that goes a long way being proactive showing that you want to be friends with people 100 percent. so obviously you said you're you're off following your dreams (laughs) 
and doing a master's is it an integrated master's or uh, like a pre-phd is that what an mphil is master of philosophy it's um yeah so i'll be doing a one-year master's degree and then hopefully after that a phd um yeah don't know i haven't there are there are no plans that far ahead yet just that's the <laughs> the general goal that i'm aiming for eventually <laughs> yeah actually that's something i want to ask you about so obviously both of us when we were in middle school so yeah we met in lower school mm-hmm. and all through middle school we had plans and then all through high school we had plans now our plans are fundamentally different yes not necessarily like because you're still going to go be uh, an academic hopefully picture thick rimmed glasses <laughs> and sweater vests oh yeah <laughs> but obviously how you're getting there or the time it's taking you to get there is is different hmm. the path is different can you speak to that a little bit just how how your plans have changed and how you feel about that so i i figured out that i wanted to be like go into academia and be a lecturer uh when i was about 17 i believe hmm. because up until then i'd wanted to be a writer and I, I was starting to to realize that I didn't enjoy writing fiction as much as I had as a as a kid. I'm getting back into it now as it happens, but I kind of it occurred to me that I maybe didn't want to be a novelist after all, and that right. that's not exactly a stable career path. And it was my dad who said, um, "Well, what about a university lecturer?" And I was like, "What does that involve?" And he explained, and I was like, "Oh my god, that sounds like the ideal thing for me to do." <laughs> um, but until I actually got to university, I didn't think that far past you know the bachelor's degree because you know too busy with like school stuff like you know yeah there's a lot to do and so I guess my my assumption about that would be I do BA then I do my master's and then I do my PhD uh, with no space in between because why would I want to take time away from education (laughs) Uh, right I, I appreciate that that may sound odd to some people but to me the idea of not being in education is just weird like I can't you know even on my gap year at the minute I'm struggling because I want to be in education um it's it's it feels unnatural for me not to be um so I ended up taking a gap year because the the uh, application process to do a master's looked complicated and I didn't want to be um, trying to do that on top of all of my third year work. Right. Now, it ended up not being that big of a problem because I ended up choosing modules that didn't have exams. So I actually That's smart. could have applied <laughs> back then. But yeah, I, I, I didn't want to be trying to, to work on those applications at the same time as as exams and you know my final year coursework Mm. and I think that was a good choice even though it's meant that I've had you know like six months now of just pottering about um (laughs) it's um it's meant that I've gone into this knowing what grades I have I was able to to fill in all of my applications and say I I have a first and I have these awards that I won and I have this experience rather than predicted grades right which i think 
makes a big difference. Not necessarily that I wouldn't have got in otherwise, or that anybody mm. who doesn't take a gap year won't, you know. But it meant that I got unconditional offers because they already knew what I had. And it meant that when I applied, I knew that I had the grades that were required. Um, I wasn't right. taking any chances. You know, there was still, with Cambridge, for example, they wanted a research proposal. So there was still the chance that they would reject me if my research proposal wasn't any good. Mm. But I knew that I had a first. And that, I think, was has been a very good thing. It also meant I was able to take a lot of time to work on my applications and like really make sure I was happy with them before I sent them. However, I am now conscious that some of my friends are already doing master's degrees and like our friend Hannah for example is doing is doing a master's at the moment and she's younger than me she's I think the youngest in like our group of friends from sixth form yeah she's definitely a summer baby yeah and it's strange it's strange seeing her do that and know that when when I start my uh, MPhil she'll be graduating from her master's degree Um, but i would argue that because of the current state of affairs of the world just to just to date this episode we're (laughs) currently in the 2020 pandemic of coronavirus yep (sighs) for posterity we are going to record this (laughs) and um potentially a lot of people's qualifications are getting put on hold i know my graduation is a little bit up in the air at the moment Mm. yeah so you kind of timed your gap year perfectly, my friend. I have, yes. It would not be <laughs> it would not be good trying to do trying to do a degree right now. I, I feel Mm-mm. for everybody trying to trying to do that now. Assuming that this pandemic or at least the way that it's affecting the UK, assuming that that ends in roughly the time span we're expecting it to, it should right. be done by the time I start my MPhil. Um Yes. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I think everybody hopes it's gonna be done by September October time yeah, to be honest it, yeah but no it is it, it was definitely strange realizing that things weren't going to be the the exact sort of timeline that I expected and that and that mm. I wouldn't necessarily be doing stuff at the same time as all of my friends but at the same time I've got friends who are older than me who have all done stuff um you know who who have master's degrees already I have friends younger than me starting university right so i'm sort of i'm very aware that everyone does these things at different paces and that plenty of people we know from school didn't go to university and went straight into working or yeah you know now have jobs you know after doing a degree and yeah on the one hand it's strange to not be doing not be doing things in the time scale that i had originally expected to on the other hand it's it's nonsense anyway you know like you do stuff right. in your own time um and watching everybody else doing stuff um you know on completely different paths because throughout school you're all on the same path really or you're expected to be you're you're, you're right. doing even if some people are doing a levels and some people are doing BTECs and you know and it's all different subjects it's it's still all we're all still taking exams at the same time and once you leave that, everything is different. And it's not worth comparing yourself to what anyone else is doing. And mm. honestly, no one else is paying that much attention to whether you're doing stuff in the expected time frame or not. 
I couldn't care less what other people are doing. You know, as long as they're happy, I I couldn't care less. So, obviously, university was the right path for you. Mm Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the support that you got from school and like general resources that you knew about before you went to uni? I know it. I know it's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, God. Um, so there were a lot of really brilliant teachers at our school mm. who were very supportive and very helpful and wanted to do everything they could to support their students. Yes. And I'm very, very grateful to them. That doesn't change the fact that on a more uh, official level, they could have done better. Yes, I agree. It felt very much like the good teachers who really cared were fighting against the system that they were in. We ended up with some slightly difficult stuff. For example, my philosophy teacher was um, ill for quite a long time and the school didn't get anyone in to replace her, mm. pretty much. Uh, we had the odd sort of substitute teacher who didn't know what they were talking about or, um, you know, were given work to do or that sort of thing. But overall, you know, not great. And that that was one bad situation, but it sort of sets the tone for how things went throughout a lot of sixth form. Yeah, I we did completely different A-levels and I had a very similar experience. Yeah, and a lot of it comes down to funding mm. and, and stuff like that. Not all of it is in is in um, any particular individual's control. No. It isn't just that the head teacher was... It, it isn't just mistakes made by the head teacher or by the head of a specific subject. It's a lack of funding. It's expectations from from exam boards, expectations from council. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of things. But what it meant was that I had lots of, you know, lots of support from individual teachers but that was primarily unofficial and they were being very very helpful within the limits of the fact that they were exhausted because they were overworked right the teachers who were the most helpful were also the ones who were least equipped to to deal with the number of students who therefore needed their help in terms of uh, for example the cambridge application the two teachers who were sort of primarily in charge of that were not prepared enough i don't think yeah first off as far as i'm aware neither of them had been to oxford or cambridge and Mm. didn't seem to have any particular contact with anyone who had which meant that it's kind of hard to explain but a lot of the advice they gave didn't turn out to be all that helpful and um we had mock interviews for example but they were with somebody (laughs) Let's just say that the person who did my interview was really, really friendly and it did not match at all what the experience of the actual interview was like in terms of questions asked or the conditions. Like, it didn't um, replicate the conditions of, of, a, of a Cambridge interview at all. That's so odd. Yeah. Um, and again, they were doing the best they could with right. what they had, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't all that helpful. Yeah. And actually, one of the teachers who was in charge of that uh, would would ask me constantly like how are you what how is the application going and when I said to her oh I just heard from them I didn't get in she never spoke to me again mm. I don't think it was intentional but you know I, I, she was checking in with the people who she had to check in with and after that it was just like you know yeah done and dusted yeah it kind of it didn't didn't make me feel great no 
but I don't know it's kind of hard to say because I know that my sister when she um she's at university now but she took a gap year and originally didn't want to go to university at all mm. and the same teacher uh, insisted that she make a UCAS application anyway right and could not comprehend that she didn't want to go to university and couldn't accept it and insisted that she go along with everybody else as they all made their UCAS accounts together and you know had no sort of no understanding of of, of other parts and no sort of acceptance of other parts because you know the school needs a, a lot of people to go to universities ideally prestigious universities so that they get so that they have a good reputation so that they get more students and therefore more funding it's it's a pretty rubbish situation yeah um, it's hard I don't want to I don't want to sort of talk shit about our school and throw all of the, the really good no. supportive teachers under the bus but at the same time, those individual good supportive teachers don't make the system, aren't enough to make the system acceptable to me. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, do you think that the school was sort of forcing and funneling people into prestigious universities to improve the Absolutely. school's status? Definitely. Um, they wanted as many people to go to Oxford or Cambridge as possible. Yeah. And if not that, then as many people to go to university as possible. And... Again, individual teachers weren't doing this, but it was definitely yeah. it was definitely an emphasis on on university and doing things for your application. And a lot of time was spent, you know, working on applications together as a group, which isn't inherently bad. But it did mean that those people who didn't want to go to university were left out and didn't really get any um, any help with their, you know any guidance on what else they might want to do it was just assumed that we would all go to university um at least that was my experience yeah i would uh definitely agree and i i think that in the future i definitely want to p- get some people to talk about their experience on the other side because obviously we both wanted to go to university oh yeah yeah we really wanted that for ourselves but i do know a handful of people i know even my siblings they never wanted to go to university or at the very least, one of them didn't really consider it. And that seemed like the only place they were allowed to go after they finished mm. high school, which makes no sense because there's so many other opportunities out there. Exactly. So many paths to what you want to do. Exactly. So tell me, what would you say to someone on the fence about university? Do your research. I can't tell you whether going to university is going to be a good idea or right for you it's completely um, dependent on your situation and where you choose to go and what you choose to do I've heard some people say if you're not sure then you should go because you know better to to go and then drop out than to to just never try and I, I can see the logic and that is a perfectly sensible and reasonable thing to do however it's expensive yeah and and if you're there and you're not sure about what you're doing, it's stressful. If it wasn't for the fact that I loved the course I was doing, I would have been miserable there. Not because of anything, you know, horrible or terrible that happened, but just because, it, you know, outside of the academics, it wasn't an environment I felt particularly comfortable or myself in. 
right and yeah I think you need to be you need to have a reason to go something that keeps you that keeps you there for me that was the academic stuff for some people it might not be but if you're on the fence you need to look into it as much as you possibly can possibly can research the universities that you're considering research the course as much as you possibly can if you can talk to current students then do if you can speak to if you can go to open days and speak to lecturers there then do i think a lot of people are encouraged by teachers at their school or by sort of general you know by the school environment to rush into things yeah. and to to just pick the places that sound fancy and the courses that sound impressive but it is much much better to go to a supposedly lowbrow university and do a supposedly lowbrow course that you are really really interested in yeah than to go to oxford and do a degree that you hate and be miserable and it is much much better to not go to university at all and pursue a different path than it is to go to any university and be miserable you know you're spending a lot of money to be there it's gotta be worth it for you yeah i don't want to discourage people from going because it isn't you know having a degree is absolutely valuable and having that experience is really valuable but there are other valuable experiences that you can have and you need to do what's right for you and i think that requires a lot more research and planning than than school might make you think right what's one thing that you would change about this experience that you've had with uni with getting to uni and you know post post uni education as well what's one thing you would would change hmm it's hard to say because I think a lot of the things that went wrong or that I didn't, um, you know, things that I wasn't happy about were sort of dependent on lots of other things and to change one thing would change a lot of things. Yeah. Um, my second and third year were really good, especially academically. Third year was really great. You know, the things that made first year not so great. I'm not sure what I could have changed. I think if I'd been in different accommodation, it might have, things might have been different. But that, you know, the reason I was in the accommodation I was in was because, because Liverpool was my insurance place, I was, you know, last to pick. Right. Pick accommodation, you know. And it was, it was, it wasn't a particularly great place. It has since been demolished. <laughs> um, but the the reasons that it was bad for me were more just to do with it, the fact that it was catered and very far away from campus and that sort of thing. Right. And just bad luck in terms of the people around me not being, uh, not having a lot in common with. But you know, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have ended up there if I hadn't, if it wasn't for the fact that Liverpool was my insurance place. And there's not much I can do about that beyond have better luck with how the exams went. Um, it's not like I could feasibly have done more work than I did. I put in a huge amount of work on my A-levels. And, you know, if I'd done more, I would have either gone insane or just, like, passed out from exhaustion. Yeah. So, you know, I can't say I wish I'd done more work because 
it wouldn't have been that that's not a reasonable thing to demand of myself and I don't know what difference it would have made anyway given the type given for the one exam that I do know what went wrong uh it had nothing to do with the work I put in it had nothing to do with my knowledge actually it was to do with uh misunderstanding a question Uh. um that that was the one where I I think I told you about this I um we we got the we asked for the paper back and my mum looked at the the question and said you realize this is a figure of speech right <laughs> and I had taken it literally I'm not quite sure what I could have done about that <laughs> to be honest I feel like though that means it's an ambiguous question and you should have got marked on your yeah. interpretation I think yeah they could they definitely could have been more charitable in how they how they marked that but never mind you see what I mean it's that sort of thing that's it's difficult to say that I could have done something different there because yeah, like that's that's a small thing yeah like if I had heard of that figure of speech before then that exam would have gone better like it's it's, it's a bit weird yeah um, I think I think perhaps I should have looked into Liverpool more before results day instead of um instead of sort of assuming that I wouldn't be going there Right. It sounds really arrogant to say I expected to get into Durham, but like that expectation was was logical based on based on the grades I'd been getting up until then. Right. Um, it wasn't a matter of, of arrogance. It was it was a matter of extrapolating from the data that I had. Right. But yeah, it, it probably would have been helpful to to know more about Liverpool going in and to. I think during first year to have talked to people more about what was going on. Um, the people I did talk to were not very helpful, and I think I should have tried again. Right. I like that. Good response. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so before we wrap this thing up, when keeping in contact or not keeping in contact with people from high school, how did you navigate that? Ooh, okay. Because obviously we still talk, clearly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a complicated one, and I mm. don't want to uh, call out people individually or, yeah, you know. Because we, we, okay. we had a very complicated friendship group. Yes, we did. And I don't want to, um, I suppose, okay, I will preface this by pointing out that it all worked out for the best. Yeah. And there's no hard feelings towards anybody that I uh, sort of indirectly mention here. Yeah. Um, but essentially, who I kept in contact with, to some extent, was out of my control. Mm. Because certain friends that I had um, completely cut me off at the end of uh, sixth form. Right. And you know, it was sort of unexpected uh, in that I wasn't aware that I had done anything to upset them particularly. So to suddenly find myself blocked on Facebook, for example, was a bit strange, a bit sudden. Now, again, it worked out for the best and they did what they felt was best for themselves and that, like, that's a good thing. Yeah, I respect that. But it meant that the people who I did stay in contact with were relatively few. It was basically three people from our our friendship group and I've kind of lost contact with there were a couple of other people who I sort of stayed in contact with and 
haven't been very good at it. Um, and yeah, I suppose, you know, keeping in contact with the three of you <laughs> was fairly easy in that we talk on Facebook, uh, just, you know, on a semi-regular basis. Throughout first year, we talked more, and now we've sort of settled into a talking less often, but meeting up when we can kind of a, a yeah. routine. But I think that's because I've been friends with the three of you for quite a long time. I mean, obviously you the longest, but um, the others for quite a while now too yeah so we sort of trust that you know that our friendship is the same even when we haven't spoken in a while in terms of sort of other people I don't know I I've always had friends outside of school who I don't live very close to and so have always just communicated with online and seen you know a few times a year right and I think that meant that I had those friendships that sort of felt stable and didn't need to worry too much about the people who, who didn't want to stay in contact with me. Um, which is not to say that it, it didn't hurt to be, be cut off like that, but I wasn't left friendless. I wasn't left sort of without contact. And I was sort of, I was used to having long distance friendships, <laughs> I yeah. suppose. I think it can be strange keeping in contact with people uh, from school once you're at university because your situations are suddenly so different mm. you know talking to even talking to friends who I had a lot in common with and who were doing subjects that were vaguely similar to mine or like you who have who had sort of similarly similarly ambitious plans and motivation and stuff like that despite different subjects you know despite that our experiences were still very different yeah and it was sort of strange sometimes to um to suddenly not be able to relate to your experience or mm. to these other friends experiences and i think if it wasn't for the fact that i already had friends who again lived far away were in different um stages of life um you know i'd had friends who you know were in their third years or graduated by then if right. it wasn't for that i think it probably could have thrown me off or left me feeling isolated in the there weren't people around me who I was close to yet and all the people who I was close to were suddenly in in situations I couldn't relate to in any way right you know hearing about people's clubbing exploits and <laughs> <laughs> you know getting drunk messages from from certain friends <laughs> early in the morning just want to clarify that's um, not me that's not him <laughs> no um <laughs> but yeah so you know, I think that could have thrown me off. That could have been isolating or weird. And it is just sheer luck that I already had long distance friends and, and sort of was able to to get used to that right. fairly quickly. I suppose there was a brief period of time where I wanted to delete Facebook and cut off all contact from people from school who aren't the people I'm currently, you know, intentionally still in contact with. Right you know essentially a sort of screw you all like i don't sort of you know i want nothing to do with you anymore right um, which you know probably says a lot about <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the people around me at school yeah but, or you know the my relationship with them and how they how they perceive yeah. me as well rather than whether or not they were good people cause yeah that's a completely different thing we were in a, a um, we were in a place back then we were in a place yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I think 
I could have done that and it would have I, I wouldn't necessarily regret it but at the same time I think it's it's worth keeping your connections where you can where mm. they're sort of you know where that connection is still healthy and viable if there are people who you were you know casually friends with at school there's no point cutting them off and um severing that relationship right when you might want to but you know when you might might want to 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 rekindle that later that said i don't think you should feel guilty you know cutting ties with people i think part of what was difficult about not going to the university that i'd intended to and stuff like that was not being able to finish school on a sort of triumphant note Mm. not being able to say to sort of feel like uh like screw you all i'm going somewhere better as it happened liverpool was a lot better than (laughs) than than, uh where i was at school but respectfully um, i think anywhere would be pretty much mostly better (laughs) yeah but you know not knowing going in uh and not being able to you know people thought i was going to go one place and then i didn't and and having not being able to say to people look at me i succeeded in the way that you uh in in the way that i was expected to i think that was difficult Mm. and so you know if you're in a similar situation to that and you feel like you know you didn't get the kind of closure that you wanted from from school you know that you didn't get to stick it to the bullies or or you know make certain people proud or whatever you felt like you needed to do if cutting yourself off from those people and having a completely fresh start is what you need to do then 100% do it I think it's hard to say whether the way that I went about things was right or wrong it's just what happened and I'm happy with where I am now so yeah (laughs) it's a a tricky one (laughs) yeah you made it at least yeah I think it's I think it's tough to it's tough to look back on it and be like I wish I'd done this I'd wish I'd done that because you could do that all day long and it wouldn't change anything exactly but the fact that you felt like you needed to prove something shows maybe a problem with the system and not a problem with you Mm, yeah because I felt the same way I I felt like I needed to excel and and do well to prove something and obviously now while I'm at university I'm kind of like no I'm just doing it for me and if I enjoy it I'm going to do it and if I hate it yeah the thing with um personally with my experience is that if you're not perceived as as particularly funny or uh likable or whatever if you're not somebody who is very popular and if you don't have a big identity mm. in who you are within your friendship group um, or within sort of your community at school, it's very easy to fall back on academic success as, you know, the thing that that defines your role in who you are. And for a long time, that worked for me. For a long time, just being the clever one was like I was the clever one you know like I got the grades that backed up backed that up yeah yeah it was like your title yeah I Mm. was you know people perceived me as a nerd and I was able to go yeah I am and look at these a star essays to prove it and it was sort of it would have been easier to not care 
if I had had some sense that that I was seen as you know fun to be around or interesting outside of that you know by sort of by more than just like you and one other friend <laughs> right. you know like I, you know this isn't a quite this isn't a sort of a sob story this is just the the <laughs> you know that the environment was a bit a bit rubbish and was a bit rubbish for a lot of people yeah there were a lot of people who didn't have what i did who who were you know both unpopular and unacademic for whatever reason you know whether they needed more support or, mm. or whatever and you know for those people you know i feel for those people because at least i did have that that sort of thing that i was good at but having that sort of uh I don't want to say pressure because it wasn't no one else was putting pressure on I think it's feeling like you have to fit in a specific box you can either be smart yes. or you can be popular or you can be funny mm. but you feel like you have to fit in a specific category yeah and I think you're, you're sort of pushed into a category mm. if you don't naturally fit into one already and yeah I sort of got the impression from a lot of people at school that I wasn't like particularly fun to be around or interesting or easy to talk to or any of those sorts of things you know other friends got to be the funny one right and I think by the end of school I was so done with just all of it like just the whole environment that I wanted to be able to go out on a high note and the only high note I could go out on was you know succeeding at the thing that I was always obviously going to succeed at you know to succeed in the most obvious universally accepted way that even people at school who didn't care about grades couldn't consider me going to Cambridge or Durham or whatever a failure like they had to see that I had succeeded at the thing I set out to do because it was the only thing that I sort of publicly intentionally set out to do and not being able to do that sort of meant that it took a long time for school to feel finished even once I'd left right because there was still that sense that that the way I was perceived it's hard to explain some kind of like unresolution yeah yeah like you know that I left with people still seeing me the same way that they'd always seen me instead of seeing me as the success which is completely like egocentric <laughs> and ridiculous, but but yeah, that's uh, that was that was kind of the way it, the way it went, and I'm not sure what I could mm. have done looking back. Which is not to say that I couldn't have done anything, just that I can't. I, d- I don't know what yeah. right now. I think, yeah, I, I my identity, at least my identity in relation to other people around me, was as the smart one and the successful mm. one and the ambitious one. And that illusion was kind of shattered. But that doesn't mean that you can't still be successful yeah. after that. It's just that success is something that you define for yourself. And I ended up being very successful in the ways that I wanted to be at a university I hadn't originally wanted to go to. And I can't say, oh, I'm definitely glad I went there rather than Cambridge or Durham. I can't say you know, the path I'm on now is inherently definitely better than the path I would have been on had I succeeded in the way I wanted to, because you can't yeah. know that. But you also can't know that it that it would have been better the other way. And, you know, 
pretty much from the moment I got to Liverpool, I was determined to be successful. And I was, you know, it took a little while to find my feet there, but like I made it, I did what I set out to do. And, you know, I'm still in contact with my dissertation supervisor, for example, um, who is probably the person I'm the most glad to have met um, at Liverpool. So, yeah. I guess the ultimate plot twist was that you didn't go where people expected you to go all along. Yeah. (laughs) And yet, now for my master's, I am going. Yeah, power move. It's a completely different, yeah. But it's a completely different thing because I'm not in contact with the people who I would have cared about impressing back then. Right. Um, Or cared about... Proving, yeah, proving yourself to. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I mean, I know we talk often anyway, but thank you for letting me record (laughs) you talking to me. (laughs) No problem. Uh, Thank you for letting me ramble at you for an hour. Of (laughs) course, of course. It's one of my favourite pastimes. Thank you so much. And this is the end of the episode, so goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) That was So Tell Me. Thank you to my guest, Esme Beaumont, for agreeing to be interviewed today. You can check out their social medias on the About page of my website, pleaseholdfor.squarespace.com. Make sure to leave a like or a comment on your listening platform of choice. You'll hear from a new guest in two weeks. Goodbye.